0: Hello, this is Jesse. You are listening to a free preview of a premium episode of Blocked and Reported. If you're on the free feed, you're not gonna hear most of this episode, which is like, I don't know, it'd be a shame. This gets really weird, okay? We're talking about uh, influencers and scams and weird Uh, anime hentai sex women who don't really exist, but they do. And people throw tens of thousands of dollars. I can't even explain what this episode is about. And I was the one who researched and produced it mostly. So if you want to hear all that, go to org for just $5 and up. You get three extra episodes just like this one each and every month. Either way, enjoy the preview.
1: Hey, Jesse, how you doing?
0: I'm bad, Katie. You're always bad. What is it this week? This week I'm bad because I'm just—I'm already mad at myself about fucking Twitter. This is what you—you said it would be fine. You promised me everything (laughs) would be okay. (laughs) Did not say it would be. You said I should come back. I Did not say it
1: would be fine. Like two or—you shouldn't delete your account. That's all I said. I didn't say you should be on it. I just said you should delete your—you shouldn't delete your account.
0: I'm back, and two or three weeks back, I thought I was just gonna have like have an arm's length relationship with it. I'm back on all my bullshit. Last night, mad online, folks. I'm mad online. Last night. I got mad online at a frequent target of this podcast, Noah Berlatsky, for a new reason that um, I found this mind-blowing. In in 2018, there was some quote from, I think, Steven Spielberg about how because of Trump, Schindler's List was as relevant as ever. I, whatever. Say what you will of that. Mm-hmm. Noah Berlatsky responded in HuffPo with a searing takedown of Schindler's List.
1: <laughs> He's a bad Jew, isn't he?
0: Dude, e- this makes... Every other thing Noah Berlatsky has ever written looked like Shakespeare. Can I just read a few wait, quotes you? Yeah?
1: Even the thing that he wrote about how Miss Biggie is abusive, this is worse than that.
0: Oh, that, you know, that was like fucking Joan Didion compared to this. <laughs> few quotes. And remember, he's criticizing Schindler's List on these grounds. In Schindler's List, Jewish people are always object lessons, never conscious teachers, No Jewish character criticizes or explains the evils of Nazi propaganda. (laughs) These Jews never talk about how they experience prejudice or what they would need to fight. (laughs) This, Katie, I thought this was actually a good point because not once in Schindler's list does an emaciated genocide victim look directly at the camera and say, Nazis, I hate these guys, and then wink.
1: You know, you should give Noah a little bit more credit because he was actually there for the Holocaust.
0: (laughs) Is that a, him being old, Joe? Yes, he is. Or him perpetrating the—he he was one years of Hi- people don't remember this. He was one of Hitler's lieutenants.
1: <laughs> no, Noah is uh, at this point. He must be like almost sixty at this point. When do we start m- making fun of? Noah's I think you're
0: age? aging him. A li- I think okay. you're be- it's hard to be mid-50s. unfair to Noah Berlatsky. Mid fifties. Yeah, I don't know. Early to mid fifties, right?
1: And for people who aren't aware of Noah, Noah is a—he's a Chicago-based like cultural critic who at one point he wrote an ebook. About his least favorite, like about his Twitter enemies, basically. And there were like 17 chapters on you. Maybe not as many as there were about uh, Jonathan Chait, but there were like 17 chapters on you. Is that correct? Am I exaggerating there?
0: Yeah. I, I mean, maybe slightly, but he's 90 years old and he wrote a million chapters on me. Um, I do feel we're talking about him or giving him attention, but I, would you agree that he's look, there's a lot of dumb, annoying commentators and people I think he's, like, absolute S-tier, top-tier. Very few people can match him in terms of just sheer wrongness and inability to, like, follow logic or write decent. He's, like, he's, he is, like, I'm not wrong. He's, like, up there, right?
1: Noah's a fucking idiot. Yeah,
0: you phrase that much more um, uh, like sort of pithily, <laughs> pithily than I did.
1: I guess I'm being ageist, but okay. So the Noah's, the, or I'm sorry, the Schindler's List thing that was in 2018. But there's some reason that he was in, he was being made fun of on Twitter again this week. What was it? I, I can't remember.
0: Yes, this was. Um, I didn't read this whole review, but there's a on the latest Indiana Joe. <laughs> this was incredible. Actually, I guess this is. Somehow what led me back there. On the Indiana Jones Rotten Tomatoes page, there's a little blurb from Noah Berlatsky. Katie, do you want to read this one?
1: This was published in NBC News Think. I'm familiar with that outline. No, no, no. NBC News Think. It's all uppercase. Unfortunately, the latest Indiana Jones installment continues a Hollywood tradition of punching Nazis without doing much to explain why Nazis are bad (laughs) or how you recognize them. I mean, how do you recognize a Nazi Jesse? Is I'm confused. With a big swastika on his forehead.
0: <laughs> I'm confused. I see these these men in these uniforms with this symbol. They're getting punched by him. I don't I don't know. I have no idea what's going on.
1: Maybe this is commentary on whatever like private school that he sent his children to or child to that they didn't adequately teach uh, history. And so his child doesn't. Know that uh, Nazis are bad. Although you would think, growing up with a man who actually survived the Holocaust, you would uh, get that message.
0: The um, the uh, Indiana Jones originally had like a three hour lecture at the beginning explaining the history of the Holocaust. It <laughs> was like a long clip from Shoah, but it didn't. Test talk. Well. Yeah. Uh, okay. Wait. Just so back to the 2018 Schindler's List takedown. Um, two more quotes from it. Schindler's List then tells its viewers that when fascism comes, they will find it easy to pick the right side. And that fascism's targets will be and should be quiet and grateful. <laughs> what can you just tra- I This one I don't know what he can you even translate that to me? No, me?
1: I cannot. I do
0: not speak that. Right, Fat. He says that if you watch Chandler's list, I guess he's saying you get the impression that the Jews will be and should be quiet and grateful. Okay, my, I think my favorite though. Quote: To fight fascism, you don't just need to feel; you need to listen. The targets of fascism are the, are the people best able to express what is happening to them and what they need to fight it. But Schindler's list presents victims as supplicants. It doesn't model any way to Katie you're going to want to like listen cl- closely here this is important.
1: All right, I've got my eyes closed.
0: Okay. It doesn't model any way to show support for journalist Jamel Hill, who fell out with her network for saying that Trump is a white supremacist. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, so... (laughs) One more time, one more time. (laughs) Schindler's List, the 1993 film about the holocaust quote doesn't model any way to show support for journalist <laughs> Jamel Hill who fell out with her network for saying that Trump is a white supremacist
1: you know what i think the real holocaust was jamel hill getting fired for seeing her Menchies? that's amazing <laughs>
0: um yeah i i think anyway these are great critiques i hope spielberg at least considers shooting a sequel that addresses the jamel hill situation cuz that that really was our holocaust like you saying. it
1: really was our holocaust and our 911 uh, my favorite Noah piece besides the one where he writes, and he, he actually did this more than once. He wrote literally about how Miss Piggy is abusive and Kermit is a victim. So Noah, he likes to write about trans stuff. He like was a big critic of yours, especially because of, of your writing on trans stuff. And so he also, he's, he's very critical of the idea of like rapid onset gender dysphoria or the idea that, that This rash of people transitioning, the vast increases in the number of people transitioning or visiting gender clinics is in any way a social contagion. So he wrote this piece for Yahoo News. Let me just read you. There's like...
0: (laughs) The headline is so good.
1: My wife is bisexual and non-binary. My daughter is transgender. My queer family helped me understand myself and my masculinity. And then the first line of this, it's like a bullet point for some reason. First, my daughter came out as transgender. Then my bisexual wife came out as non-binary. Definitely no possibility of social contagion there. <laughs>
0: but my queer family...
1: <laughs> as the only non-queer person in the family, I often feel left out by their shared experience.
0: But go on, it gets happier.
1: Oh, you want me to keep going? Okay. Yeah. But my queer family has taught me a lot about myself and how masculinity can be less restrictive. I can see why Noah's child came out as a trans woman because her model of masculinity is <laughs> Noah <longer Lasky.
0: laughs> Jesus Christ. You took it too far, Katie. I'm just trying to respectfully critique his work on the merits and you had to make Mm -hmm. it mean. Okay, we're not here to discuss. How
1: excited do you think Noah was when his son came out as a daughter?
0: If memory serves the gap between... That happening and him deciding to write about write about it in a national outlet it. was like three months, which, you know, that's the sign of a really good dad is going to give your kid <laughs> space to explore, immediately go public with it, and now like 16 or whatever. Uh,
1: I was going to say three minutes, but okay, you're being three generous.
0: Oh, oh, let me get to my computer. <laughs> Yahoo? Hello, Yahoo? In this, I guess in this he's calling Yahoo. $100? Sure. <laughs>
1: Anything else about Noah Jesse?
0: No, no, we're not here. I I didn't. Oh, no, it's just about me. Because like the only reason I was reading a Noah Berlatsky article from 2018 when, believe it or not, and as much as I do not give this impression, I do have a lot of other things I should and could be doing. The only reason I'm doing any of this and screen capping it is for my fucking Twitter audience. I am making the world a worse place by telling people to, by making fun of Noah Berlatsky. Am I really that different from, say, Noah Berlatsky or Hitler.
1: Yeah, you know, I think actually, I got a lot of pleasure out of that line about Jamel Hill. Hill it's, being an also a of the it's an incredible line. It's incredible Yeah, so I think bringing that, platforming that line, I think is actually a service. So thank you for your service, Jesse.
0: I need to do this one more time. It doesn't model any way to show support for journalist <laughs> Jamel Hill, who fell out with her network for saying that Trump is a white supremacist. We will show no. So, yeah, okay. Mercy for Jamel Hill. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, the main event today. Did he, did he get a
1: quote from uh, Ellie Wiesel for that one? <laughs> what did the ADL say about about Jamel Hill's being fired from CNN?
0: Right. In a statement to NBC to HuffPo, uh, the ADL said, <laughs> "Okay, no, we're not here to discuss Noah Berlatsky. We're here to discuss influencers and the weird evolution of certain types of influencers." Katie, would you consider us to be influencers?
1: I would consider one of us to be an influencer, me, for my Van Life content.
0: Oh, yeah, that's true. I think we don't quite make enough money, and no one actually respects our opinion on anything, so we're not true influencers. Plus, no one buys our.
1: Well, we're also not on the like. I don't think of Twitter people no. as influencers. Like that's the we're on the lamest platform. Like I think of like in like Instagram and tiktok those are would be the two maybe even facebook more so than than like people who spend too much time on twitter as being under the
0: influencers category we're on the wrong platform we also no one buys our dick pills even no matter how many times i beg them to i can't give them away it sucks
1: we're on the platform that will make you no money it is by far the worst platform
0: yeah um influencing if you can carve out a space in it can be very lucrative um, I mean, I guess we should define the term. How would you? I feel like it's like almost like circular. An influencer is someone online who yeah. has influence and uses that to make money. That's sort of it, right?
1: Yeah, an influencer is someone who shows butt pics online. I would say that's number one category. It could be whole. It could be cheek probably cheek more popular on a uh, certain platforms. No Belatski. Um yeah, an influencer is like a social a social media star, someone who becomes famous because directly because of their presence on social media. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm basically defining it as like any virally popular internet figure who influences. So Some influencers are just sort of famous because they're famous, and it's hard to explain. Uh, There's very little there there. Others carve out a niche in a specific area of knowledge or skill. Those can be very lucrative. To take one example. Butt pics. Say again, butt pics, yes. Uh, Linus Tech Tips, for example, is a YouTube channel founded by a guy named Linus Sebastian? Sebastian? Sebastian, it has 15 and a half million followers, covers technology from a wide variety of angles. Katie, Linus himself recently turned down an offer to buy his channel without scrolling down and seeing. Guess how much money he was offered?
1: How many followers does he have?
0: Um, didn't I just say 15.5 million?
1: Uh, 15.5 million dollars.
0: <laughs> wow, very good stuff. No, he was offered something like a 100 million dollars for this channel.
1: Damn, damn. So if you can like so,
0: car- wow. carve out a niche in one of these areas, obviously most influencers are not making that. But this is like... This is in the range of like movie stars. So I would
1: not, I would not think of him as a as an influencer.
0: Oh, I think from like a advertiser perspective, he is. He's reviewing hardware. He's giving people advice on like what to buy, what not to buy.
1: Right, he's doing something. I think of influencers as people who aren't actually like they don't. They don't contribute oh, anything okay, yeah, I, I don't know to me that sounds more like he's like I would call him like an educator. I don't know what the, what the difference is or maybe all teachers are influencers like I know a we have a, a family friend who's a young woman who she posts literally
0: this is Noah Berlasque yeah, daughter
1: she posts literally butt photos. she posts photos of herself in like bathing suits and videos of herself working out. And she has hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram, and she makes a very, very. She's not making a hundred million dollars, but she probably makes a million dollars a year just doing sort of sexy photos. And it's not like OnlyFans. Like I think, to me, I think of her as an influencer. This guy is actively teaching. I don't know. It just seems more like that. Just seems more like a job.
0: Well, okay, for what it's worth, uh, uh, Oxford Languages Online. One definition is a person or thing that influences another. So that's like the first one. But there's also a definition under marketing that says a person with the ability to influence potential buyers of a product or service by promoting or recommending the items on social media. So I think that uh, definition would also encapsulate people who aren't worthless, who like offer useful advice. But anyway. Hey, we're going to start running ads. We'll be influencers. We are absolutely influencers now that I think about it. Okay. Um, Setting aside definitional quibbling. You know, for the biggest influencers, there's huge money to be made. And that's why they attract around them a lot of people with something to sell or who are otherwise in a position to benefit from proximity to great money and influence. Some influencers engage in like despicably scammy behavior. I highly recommend the YouTube channel CoffeeZilla. He's basically like an investigative journalist mixed with an influencer uh, who debunks online garbage. He focuses a lot on crypto. So, Dude,
1: he comes up in the story I'm working on right now. About what? About another, an influencer.
0: Wow. You'll
1: hear it, on, you'll hear it when we record on Friday.
0: I've been binging CoffeeZilla lately. I I, I think he's, he's awesome. I mean, he's, he has millions of uh, followers of his own, so he doesn't need my endorsement, but he's great. But some of his videos, which I'll include links to in the show notes, really focus on the dark side of influencing. They... Reveal these exploitative schemes that sort of sit at the dirty, trash strewn intersection of influencers and Bitcoin and NFTs. So what happens is like a sleazy influencer like Jake Paul will announce how excited he is about a new cryptocurrency token or NFT. He'll get his or her millions of followers hyped up about it. And these are often, frankly, dumb or like drug or alcohol addled 20, 21 year olds. Um, so he'll get his followers to like invest in it and pump it up and then Jake Paul or whoever else will sell off the shares they got, often at a discount or often for free, as soon as they can. So there are all these situations where the value briefly spikes. It's like a pump and dump dump in stocks. Value briefly spikes, crashes to near zero. Their fans end up being robbed of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars, while the influencers themselves make nauseating amounts of money. Some of my favorite parts of these CoffeeZilla videos are when the influencers will then try to delete their tweets or Instagram posts, promoting these products but it's the internet so everything lives forever
1: has a uh, ice poseidon come up in your research you're watching research
0: no what's ice poseidon You'll hear on friday hell yeah uh i do think one of my favorite uh of these scams that coffeezilla covered in the sense of um making me think all of humanity should just get on those little submersibles uh this was about something called the save the kids token <laughs> so a bunch of is that like the libs of tiktok's crypto <laughs> crypto coin right. So basically, a bunch of influencers with many millions of followers between them promoted a new crypto token called Save the Kids. This was accompanied by vague claims that it would "quote unquote" redistribute wealth both to the holders and to charities. Um, Is that a pyramid scheme? I mean, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not, I'm far from an expert on like the full scale of crypto scams. I think this was like one of the worst ones because it really attempted to exploit folks' better nature. And make them think they were participating in some sort of charitable endeavor. Um, it was a big enough scandal that actually led to an expulsion and some suspensions from FaZe Clan, this big esports and entertainment company that um employed some of the Save the Kids tokens promoters. So all that's just to say that, you know, those are the basics of influencers. And influencing can get very sleazy, very exploitative, and and Part of why that is because is like influencing sort of supercharges the power of a parasocial relationship. Katie, how would you describe that concept, parasocial relationship?
1: I think of a parasocial relationship as one in which an audience member sort of latches on to a content creator. It's fandom, basically, but it's but it's like it's called parasocial because it's like online. And maybe the maybe the part that makes it para is that the the uh, the content creator also needs the fan. I don't know. What is it?
0: I, I think it's more than fan. I'm like, so my favorite basketball player plays for the Celtics, Jason Tatum. I love watching him. I It's great. He's awesome. I don't feel invested in his personal life. I'm not curious about his personal life. I don't feel any kinship with him because that would be crazy. I'm much more successful than him.
1: Do you have dreams about him?
0: Uh. I, not that I could reveal.
1: Um I have dreams about Taylor Swift sometimes.
0: Well, right. That Taylor Swift definitely attracts parasocial relationships because there's clearly a bunch of deranged psychos like you. <laughs> not it's not you don't just love her music. You like you would wear her skin if you could.
1: Well, no, because I don't want to be her. I want to be married to her. Paras- yeah,
0: so parasocial relationships, I think they're like fandom, but weirder and more intimate. And I think online influencers have a way of supercharging parasocial relationships because there's like there's something even more intimate going on than like lying in your bed alone in your room listening to Taylor Swift crying like you do before you go to bed every night. Every night. Influencers, I think a lot of them tend to produce a lot more content that's like down to earth, hanging out, directly addressing their fans. And and that's different cuz like most traditional celebrities curate a very specific sort of refined image. When there's a photo of Ben Affleck getting coffee, What's unusual about that? It's like, well, Ben Affleck gets coffee just like the rest of us. It's unusual. You wouldn't expect that because usually you see him at a red carpet or dressed like a superhero on a giant screen. Yeah. I think with influencers, like they go out of their way to be like, oh, we're just getting coffee. We're just hanging out. We're one of the guys with you. Does Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, but that's because they are mostly just regular people. I mean, there are some influencers who are fabulously wealthy, but there are also like I follow, I've talked before about my Mormons. I follow this group of very attractive Mormons who all went to BYU Honolulu, and they're all blonde, and they have kids really young, they get married really young, and they surf. And I follow them religiously. I like read snark subreddits about them. I have very strong opinions about their parenting, things like that. And... (sighs) This is, I'm trying to think if this counts as a paras. I sort of hate them, so I'm not sure if it's a parasocial relationship.
0: It's <laughs> a form of parasocial relationship. Yeah,
1: I do. I sort of hate them, but I also really love them.
0: That just sounds like a normal family relationship. <laughs> you love them, but you hate them.
1: And I don't think they're like trying to come across as the average guy. They actually are the average guy, just without real jobs.
0: Yeah, yeah. I will say, just I just want to give like a more um, traditional definition. I guess. One definition I found on everyday health is a parasocial relationship is a one-sided relationship formed when one party extends energy, interest, and time, mm-hmm. and the other person doesn't know they exist. So yeah. I think that's the basics of it, but then there's definitely more and less intense ones so i guess so technically my relationship to jason tatum is parasocial but it's just no, it's nothing like a your relationship to taylor swift
1: well because yeah that's because she knows i exist because she listens to the show
0: taylor swift does yeah for sure oh this was your theory but this required several leaps in logic that i'm not <laughs> remind me
1: look her ex-boyfriend listens to red scare
0: the bigot 1975
1: anna what's-her-face Follows me on Twitter. It
0: is certainly... Koch, Koch is yes, something slavic. I think they've
1: mentioned you on the show before, and for sure a derogatory context. So it is pos- conceivable through, yes, Six Degrees of Taylor
0: Swift. Red Scare mentioned me derogatory. I met Anna once. I liked her. I don't know, but I would guess so. Yeah, I guess I'm kind of a I'm sort of
1: making this up, but I would <laughs> guess. I mean, does, don't you think? Don't you think Well.
0: I think we probably have areas overlap and areas of difference. Like we probably disagree on
1: Jesus, the sanctity,
0: fascism, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> the utility of bringing anyway. Continue.
0: So you're saying okay? You're saying we have ironclad proof Taylor Swift is a huge fan of blot reporting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, you know who I was? I, can I? Can we bleep this out? Can we taunt people by saying one other famous person who listens to us, but we can't say
1: sure. No, he does not. Yeah. Wait, didn't you tell me that? No.
0: Someone told... Oh, God damn it. If I'm fucking making this up... Hold on.
1: Okay, I'm not bleeping it because there's no way that he listens to the show.
0: You have to go back and bleep it because someone told me that who was one step removed from him.
1: I don't fucking believe it. Oh, you know who it was? It was... No fucking
0: way. Yes, check... If he listens to this show, I will die. I know, it's exciting and we're really annoying everybody. Why can't we say it? Because I don't want to fucking get him in trouble when I... I don't know, I heard it, but I heard it from someone who knows him.
1: Would they... Would he... Do you think they're... I
0: know. Sorry. I thought... For some reason, I thought you knew that already.
1: No, I didn't know that.
0: Text... Tell tell him. I think it was him who told me that, but I don't remember 100%. But I...
1: But I don't... But we can't say... Name either.
0: No, I know. We're bleeping out both of them. Okay. This is going to be unlistenable. but we're about to get back to the story. (laughs) Actually, I need to pee first, then we'll get back to it. One sec.
1: Okay. Well, he goes to pee. I'm going to text our mutual friend and ask him if this person actually listens to the show when he writes me back and says, you're fucking dreaming. I will get back to you
0: i'm back and i just want to be clear that through the power of editing it took me longer than that to pee because that'd be embarrassing how was your pee it was it was fine. good stream fine, like medium uh i know something's really it was like a lot of blood <laughs> but we don't need to get into that <laughs> um i did the thing this is one of those things where i'm sure what i told you is true about bleep i don't remember who told me but it was someone who knows bleep personally but okay yeah we'll see if you get if you get texted back anyway uh back to um Influencers, so oh yeah, just so in terms of like being down to earth, being part of it. I mean, you know who Mr. Beast is, right?
1: Yeah, of course. I unfortunately cannot not know who Mr. Beast is now.
0: He's he's ubiquitous. There's a good article about him by uh, Max Reed, former colleague of mine, but um, in New York Times Magazine. Even Mr. Beast, who does, he's one of the most successful influencers on the planet, one of the most famous people on the planet now, I think. And he's built up a reputation for these larger than life. He, he's
1: like the most one of the most famous people on the planet who nobody over the age of 45 has heard of.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And he just yeah. like, but he does these he does these huge larger-than-life stunts and giveaways, including a really impressive, like, they recreated um Squid Game for a lot of money. But if you watch his videos, which are sort of like if an evil AI produced the most like engagement worthy, addictive videos possible, they do go out of their way to show him and his goofy friends just hanging out. And they just look like normal dudes. And I think that's a key well, part he, of the appeal. He
1: looks like a normal he dude. He looks like he's the like,
0: average like, white American, like the literal median average yeah. white American from, I think he's from North Carolina, actually. you would neck of the Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's all just to say, I would argue that like the, in some cases, the level of intimacy and intensity really gets ratcheted up even in the case of influencers who aren't as famous as uh, Taylor Swift or Mr. Beast. So those are the basics of influencers. But an interesting question has popped up as uh, influencing has evolved – How human do they have to be? And they (laughs) apparently don't have to be fully human, as proven by the rise of so-called VTubers.
1: What is a VTuber?
0: A VTuber is defined by Wikipedia. It sounds
1: pornographic.
0: Well, (laughs) we'll get there. Everything eventually (laughs) becomes pornographic. It's defined by Wikipedia as an online entertainer who uses a virtual avatar generated using computer graphics. So... These are folks who use software like FaceRig to generate um, these avatars that sync up with their own movements. So Katie, just click on this video from FaceRig showing off their technology and and describe what you're seeing.
1: Okay, so some jazzy music here. We have an animated fox um, and there's a little man. Oh, I see what's going on. So there's a little video of a guy in the corner. And a human, an actual human, he's making faces and the faces are like translating into like the animated character's face. So now I'm looking at a hamburger. The guy's opening his mouth and then the hamburger bun opens so it looks like the hamburger's mouth is open open.
0: Right, exactly. So it will not shock you that a significant subset of VTubers are sexy anime cat girls. Of course, of course. Okay, so... It was always going to go that okay, way. Okay,
1: so what I'm imagining is that there are probably men who are running this technology
0: <laughs> and... I mean, Katie, I- Katie, just watch a few seconds of this next video and describe it to me. That's it. That's all you get. Hope you enjoyed the preview. If you want to hear the rest, go to blockedandreported.org. Thank you.